2: Welcome to Money-Making Conversation. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. It is time to stop reading other people's success stories. I got successful people who come over here. I want you to hear their stories, but I don't want you to be enamored by their stories. I want you to work your own stories because you can be motivated by their success because their stories can offer you direction and help you reach your goals through your planning now. Hear what I'm saying? Your planning and your committed effort. My interviews are really is about, if you want to hear about successful stories, go to people who are successful. They are They are celebrities. They're CEOs. They're entrepreneurs. And my next person, she is what I call an industry decision maker. My next guest is uh, Dr. Jennifer Ashton. Dr. Ashton is a double board certified physician as an OBGYN and and obesity medicine and a nutritionist with a master's degree in nutrition. Well, she'd hate the fact that I actually have uh, Krispy (laughs) Kreme on my app. I have Krispy Kreme donut. (laughs) She is ABC News Chief Medical Correspondent. Dr. Jennifer Ashton has been a Trusted Voice, providing vital health and medical information as GMA3, what you need to know, and constant coverage on ABC's news on the COVID-19 pandemic. She released her latest book, The New Normal, A Roadmap to Resilience in the Pandemic Era, a must-read guide, and I must say it is a must-read guide to dealing with the continued challenges of the pandemic because... Tell you what folks is not going anywhere, and we discuss. She discusses that in the book. She's one of the most trusted health personalities on TV today. She's an active medical practice, Is a leading voice in her new book, The New Normal, is out now, and will teach us how to think like a doctor, which I never ever thought about that whole principle to help us stay informed, make decisions about your health, and better na- navigate the new normal. Please welcome to the money making conversation, Dr. Jennifer Aston. How you doing?
0: Sir, thank you for that very kind intro, and I'm so glad to be able to talk with you.
2: Well, you know, the, the, I, I think that uh, you have been probably, uh, first of all, I feel fortunate to have you on this show. You know, it was either you or Dr. Fauci. You you, you are my people, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, yeah, because of the fact that, okay, let's just go back when it all happened, because that's what this book is about, the new normal, okay? When I thought it was just going to be two months I can tell you this, Dr. Ashton, when I first went out, I, I, I live in Houston and I live in Atlanta, Georgia. My headquarters is in Atlanta, Georgia. And I was in Houston and I drove down, surprised my family because, you know, no, nobody wanted to fly. So I just drove. I just up woke up and drove to Houston from Atlanta. And I went inside my first Home Depot. I had a mask. I had uh, rubber gloves. I had my uh, p- what little peril I had because before it got cleared off the shelf, I just happened have some burr. And when I got back to my truck, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know do I take my gloves off, do I do I do I put the lotion on my hands? It was that whole I guess, uncertainty, that's unsafe zone. Now I'm a lot more comfortable not saying that I'm not wearing a mask. I wear a mask. I understand must understand and respect social distancing now. But that's something that you have the educators on and you had to live through the process of dealing with a political system at the time that was in denial about COVID-19. Talk to us about that.
0: Well, I think it was more than denial. I mean, first of all, I you've heard me say in my book, you've heard me say on national television, I stay in my lane. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm a doctor. I -hmm. speak about medicine, health, wellness, public Mm -hmm. health, Mm -hmm. science. That's it. Thank goodness I am not a politician. I don't know anything about finances like you do. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I don't know about weather, entertainment. Mm -hmm. Don't ask me the latest show, Mm -hmm. except for Bridgerton. I haven't watched any TV in the last year. (laughs) But when this all started, the issue, I think, was that the masks was not communicated well. Mm -hmm. And so that was one of those really seminal moments in the pandemic where we lost a lot of trust. Um, And by we, I mean everyone in science and medicine. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that, let me just explain, Mm is that we did not know before April of last year that so many people could be infected with COVID Mm -hmm. and show no symptoms at all and spread the virus. We also didn't know that it would shut down the entire world because we had never seen that in anyone's lifetime, right? right? 1918, the last influenza pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so prior to April in medicine, the only time we put a mask on someone was a sick person in the hospital to protect others. Right. So even though a lot of people would say, well, isn't it common sense to put a mask on? Yes and no, but in science and medicine, we go by data, not just, well, something looks like it makes sense. And also remember that those types of supplies were in very, very high demand.
1: Right.
0: So, we couldn't say to the entire country, 330 million people, yeah, everyone put a mask on, um, because A, we didn't have the science to support that, B, we didn't know that so many people could be infected with COVID and not show symptoms, and C, we had a PPE shortage. So, until we learned what we learned in the first three months, the recommendation was, no, this is not necessary. I know it makes people feel better, but there's no science to support this. and. I have, um, you know, I go through in the book, I have a lot of these Ashtonisms, as right. I like mm-hmm. to call them, mm-hmm. which are these medical sayings that I've said in the last 16 years of being a doctor. And And one of them is that I really believe you can communicate any level of complex medical or scientific information to anyone, including a child, right. if the messenger is the right person or, you know, uses the right communication skills. And to be honest, the right communication skills were not used early on in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, But as I also say in the book, we have i am a big believer in that saying, be careful when you point a finger because three are usually pointing back at you. (laughs) And so I don't I'm not one that says, well, it was this person's fault or that fault or whatever. We've got more than enough to handle right now by staying in the present and looking in the future.
2: Well, here's the thing. I am talking to Dr. Jennifer Aston, uh The New Normal. That's the name of her book. Uh I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull out some things that really uh stood out to me. The importance of laughter and love. Talk to me about that.
0: Yeah. I mean, anyone who's been through a crisis or a trauma in their life knows that, um, you know, laughter can be more than just an icebreaker. Right. Mm -hmm. It can be therapeutic. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyone who's been to a wake, a funeral, um, stood vigil in a hospital while someone is in the operating room knows that, you know, sometimes that's a really powerful way to kind of release a lot of tension and stress And it can be very healing. Um, So I think if we can't laugh, usually, you know, I say at ourselves. And for me, that's an endless supply of material. Let's just put it that way. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, then then we're really in trouble. And in terms of love, I think that, you know, this is an area that does cross, you know, straddle lanes between medicine and public health and, and the rest of our society is that I really do believe that if you act with love as your primary motivation, you will never go wrong.
2: Well, the thing about it is that you are a real doctor. I will emphasize that because of the <laughs> fact that, the reason I say that because you have to deal with certain levels of anxiety here. You have to deal with real patients, okay, your OBGYN, uh, and then your nutritionist. And then also you have to come on TV because suddenly your life was flipped from just being periodically on TV to on TV all the time, which in turn meant that, you became an authority on something that you were developing information as you went along and people will hold you accountable for if you said something and you, and, you, and you again, you're still in the learning process, which in turn put stress on you. How did that stress create anxiety in your life? You talk about it in certain instances in your book. Um, in my situation, I, I gained weight. You know, I, my whole life uh, had suddenly become at the house, I picked up five pounds. I realized mm-hmm. I was eating three meals a day, so that was the stress mm-hmm. that was that was brought into my life. Your mm-hmm. stress was because your face was now recognizable, an America's authority on. I'm use the word correctly. You are an authority on COVID nineteen, and that was not fair. Correct.
0: Well, let me first of all, it, it's my job. So, and I and I really feel incredibly blessed to have mm-hmm. the responsibility that I have. Mm-hmm. You know, in medicine, um, we take this Hippocratic oath, and that is primarily to be a teacher right. of what we know, whether it's teaching our patients or teaching other student doctors. But I would also, if I could revise the Hippocratic Oath today, I would add student to it. And Mm -hmm. that's what I've been doing for over a year. And people Mm -hmm. say, well, you're not a specialist in infectious disease. Absolutely correct. But a lot of people don't know that in medical school, we have to learn every specialty. We just don't learn one body part and take it four years and then that's it. Um, You know, there's a human being connected to that body part. So we have to learn every specialty and then in covering this pandemic, um, I was literally speaking to Tony Fauci by personal cell phone either every week or every other week at nine o'clock at night, at seven o'clock in the morning. And you're right. There was a massive responsibility that came um, on my shoulders to not only understand this mm-hmm. rapidly evolving and changing information, but to communicate it in the right way. Way. And as you were asking your question, I couldn't help but think you know, when you said I, I am a, an actual real doctor and not just playing one on TV, mm-hmm. I, I do speak to real patients mm-hmm. who I'm responsible for their lives. And when they get scared and they get anxious, it doesn't matter that we're one on one. I have to answer their questions and put them at ease, both in their mind and in their spirit. And there's absolutely no difference between doing that and what I do on national television. So it's like when we have uh, people, leaders of faith on GMA three, and every single time we say, gosh, that person is a really good speaker. And then I laugh and I say to myself, of course they're a good speaker. That's what they do for a living. <laughs> they speak to their congregation every week. Right. So, um, you know, I think that the recognizing that people were scared and anxious and felt this degree of uncertainty was something that I realized literally from the first minute. And I realized it because I was feeling the same thing.
2: You know, the interesting thing about your book, when I first read it, and of course it hit home with me because it talked about... You know, COVID-19 and how it affects um, you know, people of color, African-American, black men, especially. You know, It affects men differently than it affects women. In fact, it impacts men a lot more. Picked that up from your book, Dr. Ashton. Thank you very much. Didn't know that. So I'm just letting everybody know a very informative book. But the thing about it is that when we hear the story about Jason, the bus driver, uh, who made national news. I remember I saw his video when he was complaining about the, the, the person who was coughing on the bus and then weeks later he died. But it was not only tied to COVID, but we started to realize COVID affected people for different ways. And then in your book, you started you start talking about how you can create change. And one of the great changes is weight loss.
0: Right. So I want to unpack two really important things that you say there, Rashawn. Number one, race. Okay. Um, the effects, the disproportionate effects on people of color, black and brown populations for this virus uh, was should have been seen and expected. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's my little doggy here at home. (laughs) Um, And so it was not a surprise that we were seeing more obesity, more high blood pressure, um, more heart disease, coexisting medical conditions, preexisting medical conditions in people of color. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it's not a surprise when you saw a more disproportionate rate of death amongst black and brown people with this Mm -hmm. pandemic. Also, their jobs, which put them at risk, their access to testing and medical care put them at risk. And right now, I think we're in a very interesting but precarious position in medicine because on the one hand, there are people who think that you should not identify someone at all by their race or ethnicity in Mm -hmm. medicine. And everyone should just, you know, be, you should be blinded to that and treat everyone the same. I fundamentally disagree with that because what that does is it throws out all of the knowledge that we have about what constitutes you at being at a higher risk than a 30-year-old Asian woman, for example, right? Mm -hmm. And if we can't identify risk factors, then we can't take aggressive preventative steps to protect you. So I do think, and I talk about Jason's story in the book about how When he died of COVID, we didn't even know being male puts you at at greater risk. Being Mm -hmm. black puts you at greater risk. Being Mm -hmm. obese puts you at greater risk. Having diabetes puts you at greater risk. Now we do. So as individuals and as doctors, we can take steps to lower that risk. You can never make it zero, right? I can't can't make you not male. (laughs) I can't make you not black. I can't make someone... Um, who is 75, not 75. Mm -hmm. But we can take steps to reduce the conditions of overweight and obesity. So I go through those dietary steps. Some of them are easy. Believe me, this is not a major overhaul. These are baby steps. Mm -hmm. Um, But who do you know someone who's not concerned about their weight because i don't literally everyone is
3: it's finally here the season of celebration and no matter how you celebrate with family and friends whether you're preparing for reyes magos or karamu lighting the menorah or going to midnight mass kohl's has just what you need to make those traditions special plus you'll find gifts for all your loved ones send warm wishes with cozy fleeces sweaters loungewear blankets and throws
1: O-t-t-e-r.ai.
2: You know, interesting thing about it is that you, you're absolutely right. Like you say, in your book, you say what you can't change is your age. But everything else you can have an impact on. When you, you discuss diet, diabetes, you talk about low sugar, low sugar nutrition, more exercise, sustained weight loss. But the big thing is the weight loss, you know, and I'm, I'm African-American and I know my sisters. I know my family. I know the history of African-Americans. Our diets uh, tend to run obese, oh, high blood pressure, cholesterol levels tend to run higher diabetes. And suddenly this pandemic comes into our lives. And I remember I was watching the news and it was based in Atlanta. It was an eight out of 10. Um, patients checked into hospital yep. for African-American. I was actually stunned. Couldn't believe it. But from a media standpoint, do you think that was not recognized early on? Or, or, or the world was just confused as to what was going on? And especially just seeing African-Americans rolling into a hospital, blaming it on, um, you know, large households, uh, mass transit services, uh, things like that.
0: I think there was a lot of blame. It goes back to what I said about pointing the finger, right? right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it, I, in my opinion, I have looked at this pandemic and our country like it's one big patient. right? And so when a, someone, for example, who's been a lifelong smoker comes into the hospital with lung cancer, we don't blame the person for smoking cigarettes for 30 years. We treat their lung cancer. And so I think that, you know, Pointing out the reasons why is important so you can try to fix them. Mm -hmm. But if it's done with the intention of shifting responsibility, then I think that's a problem. And, um, you know, I'll share with you something that I hope will inspire your viewers Mm -hmm. um, like it has inspired me and my family. But in the last week, Mm -hmm. I've been yet on quarantine again for Sean again, mm-hmm. even though I've had both doses of the vaccine, mm-hmm. um, I was exposed to someone who has COVID at work mm-hmm. and I had to quarantine. And I decided that I wanted to do my own dietary experiment during this period of quarantine. And I had watched the movie Game Changers, which I don't know if you've seen it, but if you haven't, I recommend it. Mm-hmm. And it's about all of these elite athletes right. and normal people mm-hmm. who change their diet mm-hmm. and become vegan. Now, right. I will tell you, I was the about as far from a vegan as it is possible to be. Mm-hmm. OK, I ate chicken every single day, eggs <laughs> every single day, pork. I loved pork. I was trying to cut down on red meat, but I was I mean, every meal I was eating had animal protein in it. This is just 10 days ago, by the way. You're the first person I'm discussing this with. mm -hmm. And I said, let me get my kids who are in college and Mm -hmm. you know, they're around obviously because they're not in school. And I said, let's try this experiment. Let's do it together. And I've got all these kind of frozen fake meat things and looked up some recipes and whatever. (laughs) And I'm 10 days in. I have not had an egg. I have not had chicken. I've not had dairy and I've not had pork, and I'm still alive. (laughs) And actually, I feel pretty good. Now, I'm not suggesting that you have to go to that extreme, but my point with that, and I go through this in the book, and in my other books also, but specifically in The New Normal, Mm -hmm. is that you can, this is one of those silver lining blessings, I believe, in this pandemic, is we're all at home a lot Mm -hmm. more, and you know, we're all concerned with our health. So now is the time to try one of these experiments because you literally have nothing to lose other than a couple of pounds. And that is a major, major way that anyone can improve their health, lower their cholesterol, lose a couple of pounds and protect the environment, believe it or not. Um, even though that wasn't my primary motivation, the more I learn about it, the more it's getting up there. But listen, if I can do it,
2: anyone can do it i'm, I'm going to be honest with you i i i started my own little home garden i, I had a look i had three tomato pots i i uh, harvested uh, over 100 tomatoes i had my uh, poblamo peppers i had my jalapeno peppers cilantro uh and so now i bought a new building in atlanta and so i have a certain area because it's, it's a private lot that i'm on one acre private lot i've set aside i told my staff That's going to be our garden, where I'm going to have potatoes out there. I'm going to have lettuce, uh, cabbages, excuse me. And it's about eight different vegetables, because I I, I 100% agree with you. This is the time when you want to change your habits, change your life. life. I am going all out. And I will tell you this, a homegrown tomato is a lot sweeter than a store-bought tomato. So when you buy stuff from an organic, it's not chemically induced. So I am... 100% 100% on your pain. And I read that in your book, I went, you know, because I read that about the pandemic, physical. I did the pandemic physical. I did that in December. Good. And so so I was like going through your book on check, check. Okay, doctor, check, check. And then also I got to the point where it said the pros and cons of telemedicine. Because you are a real doctor, talk to us, talk to us about the whole pros and cons of telemedicine.
0: Well, the first thing I would say to your, to your viewers is, whether it's telemedicine or mm-hmm. texting or just a, a local clinic that you like, make sure you have a connection, a relationship, ideally with some kind of healthcare provider. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another one of the wake-up calls of this pandemic. People get sick, they don't know who to call. Um, you know, and I and I do believe that telemedicine, as I talk about in the in the book, is a silver lining of this pandemic because there's a lot that you can accomplish with a telemedicine um, visit with a provider that you don't have to go long distance, wait in a waiting room, et cetera, et cetera. There's a tremendous amount that can be done via telemedicine. Um, In the past, people were kind of intimidated by it, but we had no choice in this pandemic. Um, You know, I saw my patients that way for three months when we were on lockdown in New York city. So um, look, You can't do an EKG. You can't draw blood via telemedicine yet, but you can accomplish a lot. And I think that the key and why I wanted to write the book and really explain to people how to think like a doctor Mm -hmm. is so that they could understand when do I need to go to the emergency room? When do I need to go to urgent care? When do I need to call my own doctor? You know, if you have one. Um, how to assess these things. Is it really bad? Is it, you know, emergency room level? And you don't have to be a doctor to learn to think like one. And that can help alleviate a lot of the anxiety and the uncertainty, not only for us, but for our families.
2: Yeah, you talk about you have anxiety moment in the book where you thought you may have have COVID because your blood pressure changed. You call for your children. They called the emergency and then you refuse to go. Because then you attend the discussion about ER, when you should go to the hospital. That's the whole process of what you were talking about in the book. To talk about that moment, because I think we all because I, t- I would tell you this, Dr. Ashton, I remember when, it, when COVID, when we was being quarantined, if I got a cough, I really was a high level paranoid about what was happening to me, We know, you know, because I didn't know nobody was giving me information. So I didn't know. If, and I'm a guy who knows my body. I really do. And I, I love what you talk about, knowing your body, exercise, yep. talk to yourself and walk through the whole process. Because that's what this book breaks down. It's when you said right. thinking like a doctor. And right. When you had that moment, I could, I could, I was so uh, sympathetic in your whole process because of the fact that one, you are dealing with it all the time. You said, "Rashawn," in your book, um, acting like you're talking to me. You said, "Made a breeding ground <laughs> for pandemic is cruise ships, prisons, nursing homes, and households." Here you are, right. thinking you have COVID-19. Walk us through that process.
0: So you know when I well. First of all, my brother, who's also a doctor in mm-hmm. the Bronx, um, mm-hmm. up here in New York, had COVID mm-hmm. at, in March. Mm-hmm. Um, he got exposed taking care of patients in the emergency room. And soon after that, I had an episode that one night that I talk about in the book. that turned out to be an allergic reaction. But my blood pressure dropped and my heart rate went pretty high. And I, I almost fainted. I almost mm-hmm. lost consciousness. And I was just home with. Um, my two ch- children who are in college and my daughter's boyfriend, also a college student. Mm-hmm. And I'm the only parent my kids have. So there's a lot of pressure that's in the back of my mind always. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, uh, the only reason most parents, I think, would agree with this, that I really care about my health is because of my kids. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if I die, I'm dead. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. but I don't want to leave my kids without a parent. Mm-hmm. So um I was on the phone with my boyfriend at the time, who's also a doctor, Mm -hmm. and he said, you don't sound good. You should call 911. Mm -hmm. And I have never called 911 in my life. Right. So right there, it tells you kind of what level I was at. And the paramedics came into my apartment and they checked my blood pressure and I started to feel better. My vital signs were normal. And they said, I told them I was a doctor and they said, do you want to go to the emergency room? And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> right. like, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because New York City was on lockdown at this point. Right. I, mm-hmm. I did not want to be exposed to COVID. Mm-hmm. And I knew based on my vital signs that I was OK, that it was likely just a, a, a reaction to some Benadryl that was probably expired that I took. Right. But the point is that I explain in the book is that. I have that medical knowledge, but the average reader doesn't. So right. when you get scared or when you have a symptom, how should you decide where to take it? And I go through a lot of those ashtonisms, like, you know, really bad things don't get better on their own. They get worse.
2: <laughs> right.
0: So if you're getting worse and not better, you should get it checked out. If you would have gone to the emergency room for this issue in twenty nineteen, then you should probably go now. Because now hospitals are much safer, well,
2: um, right. you, you know. Did, and if
0: you're having chest pain right. or the worst headache of your life—something that could literally kill you—you mm-hmm. you should 100% call 911 and get yourself to an emergency. Room. We talked about. So the pro- I kind of talk people through that. Right,
2: right. You have, absolutely. You do a, you do a very fantastic job. I talked about the pros and cons of, of telemedicine. Where you are an official doctor, you are double board certified. <laughs> nutritionist nutritionists, where should we not get? Uh, this is my favorite chapter of the book. Where not to get your medical <laughs> news? That, um, so you know, I was deep oh. in the book. So you know, Doctor Aston, I was deep in the book when I got to that part, and I just wanted to talk about that before we leave. And I to also thank you for taking the time to be on the show to bring my viewers a very heartwarming book and also informative book. But if, before you go, if you can talk you. about where not to get yeah. your medical news, well.
0: Don't get it from your next door neighbor unless they're a doctor. (laughs) Don't get it from your friend unless they're a doctor. Don't get it from any um, like non-credentialed social media sites. Right. Um, You know, it should be CDC or someone with an MD after their name that has the position like I do where, you know, millions and millions of people are listening. So I have to make sure every single word I say is accurate and correct to the best of our knowledge based on scientific data. I mean, it is unbelievable how many times I speak to real people who say, well, I heard that dot, dot, dot. And I, and I say, this is not a game of telephone. You guys, like, what do you mean? You heard it. Mm -hmm. This isn't a gossip story. This is your health. Mm -hmm. So I, I do go through that in the book. And, um, you know, listen, we learn every day. We don't know everything in medicine and science. And any doctor who says that they do either hasn't been a doctor for very long or is not one
2: you should listen to. Well, you're a doctor I listen to all the time. <laughs> you know, I have two doctors I love in pandemic Is as Dr. Aston's is one and Dr. Fauci is the other. And thank you for this new book, The New Normal. I, uh, I have a fan club of 90,000 fans, I'm gonna put it in the book. I have a about one point six million uh, social media followers. I'm gonna support it that way. But more importantly, I just wanted to share your world so with my world and also the Shana, book.
0: thank you. Yeah, really. And and listen, please let's stay in touch. I, I usually only use Instagram. My uh handle is at DRJ Ashton and okay. I would love to hear from your followers and your viewers Absolutely. and um I I don't look at Twitter or Facebook that much because I feel like people are mean. And I feel like we need a a lot more nice in the world today. But um, I really appreciate you having me on. And next time I come to Atlanta or Houston, I want one of those backyard tomatoes.
2: Thank you. Appreciate you. (laughs) Stay strong and stay safe. More importantly, see you on TV. Bye-bye, Dr. Ashton. Bye-bye. If you want to hear more Money Making Conversation interviews, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your host.
3: In this season of giving, Kohl's has gifts for all your loved ones.
1: Still living in 2021 and manually taking notes? There is a better way. Start the new year with otter.ai. Automatically get meeting notes. Otter.ai works for virtual meetings like Zoom, Microsoft Teams, and Google Meet. Sign up on the web for free or download in the app stores. Otter.ai. That's O-T-T-E-R dot A-I.
2: There's a monumental
0: shift in power at work. Employees are speaking up. Turnover is rising. Salaries are increasing. Hiring is tough. And burnout is real. It's time to unleash growth. It's time to transform your HR from powerless to powerful. Join ADP on February the 23rd. Reserve your spot now.
1: Go to gettheplan.adp.com to register for the Work Interrupted Summit.